Welcome to the After Work Drinks Club, a business podcast where I chat with influential movers and shakers, top achievers, and all-round incredible people. We explore how they've got to where they are and how you can too. If you want to level up, go make your order at the bar, pull up a seat at the table, and join in, because you belong here. I'm your host, Vanessa Sanyauke, the founder and CEO of Girls Talk London a global agency that empowers thousands of women to develop the skills and confidence to succeed in their careers and life. So if you're listening on your morning commute with a coffee, working from home with a cup of tea, or joining us for after-work drinks, consider this your time to laugh, learn, and level up. On the podcast today, we have Dr. Shahina Janjua Jivraj and Dr. Naima Pasha, authors of Future Proof Your Career. There's a bit about just stepping back and just seeing what others are doing. So you've got the banks who are investing millions into retraining staff for coding. Now, we, we were told for ages that coding's going to die out because um, it's going to be automated. But the, the skills you learn, the cognitive skills you learn through coding help your agility in your brain, which then helps you to problem solve. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the After Work Drinks Club. I'm so happy to have you here once again. Today, we have two experts, Dr. Shahina Janjua Divraj and Dr. Naima Pasha. Dr. Shahina is an associate professor in entrepreneurial leadership and Dr. Naima is the Director of Careers and Professional Development at Henley Business School and founder of World of Work. And they join me today to discuss their amazing new book, Future Proof Your Career, How to Lead and Succeed in a Changing World. One of my favourite things about this conversation is how it's reignited my passion for learning and how I think about my career in the long term. So make sure you grab your notepads for this one. For this series, I'm a brand ambassador for Blue Water and today I'm drinking their still water because we all need to hydrate. So cheers to you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are listening. And most importantly, don't forget to leave a review. As always, it helps the podcast and the community grow. Well, I'd like to welcome you both to the After Work Drinks Club. How are you this evening? We're good, thank you. Well, I'm good, just recovering from COVID. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm so grateful that you're here and hopefully you're, you'll get on the men soon. We ask all of our guests what they'd like to order from our virtual bar. So if I go um, to you, Naima, what would you like to order from our virtual bar? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to have a lem sip just because... Yes, <laughs> I don't blame you. A lemon sip, yes. Lemon or lemon. Lemon. A lemon, okay. bit of honey. Yeah, that's what I need. Thank you. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> and uh, Shaina, what would you order? I, I, I'm also going to be quite boring because it's uh, nine, nine, past nine o'clock in Doha and I'm usually up at 5am, so by now I'm usually in bed. So for me it would be a double yeah. espresso. Double espresso, Ooh. brilliant. Okay, well, I love, love the, I love the variety. So, so I'm having a water. So our virtual clink and cheers to you both. We ask all of our guests to toast to their highlight of the year so far. So, what would you both like to toast to? What would you say has been your highlight of the year so far? If we go back to Naima, what, what would you say? Uh, I think there's two things. Uh, the first thing, obviously, the book that uh, Shahina and I wrote, which has been a, 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 you know, it's been a highlight, not just to be able to write the book, but to work on this with Shahina, which has been a, a long ambition of ours. And the other thing um, I, I, I'm particularly proud of this year is that I led a, a piece of research on uh, race equity in the workplace. Um, and it's, I just feel it, it was a privilege to do. And it even got picked up by the Bank of England. It got picked up by the CBI. It got picked up by lots of people. And yeah, that, thank you. That'll be, <laughs> that's my two. Toast to you. And Shaina, what would you like to toast to? So Vanessa, I'm also going to start off with um, writing the book with Naima. I mean, this book yeah. has been 
three years in the in the running um, or in the pipeline. We spent quite a bit of time talking, plotting, and then we just took the leap and did it. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. But but actually getting this book out has just been such an, such a huge milestone. The other really big piece, which are two bits combined together, is is actually taking on this new role at um, HSA Business School and uh, fulfilling mm-hmm. a lifelong dream to move to another country. And that, that has in- involved moving myself, my husband, my kids to a completely new country and really understanding what it's like to immerse yourself and adapt to a, a completely new environment. And to be honest, doing that during COVID has been ridiculous and awesome at the same time yeah oh that's amazing well cheers to that amazing amazing accomplishments and I mean you know looking at your bios and your careers I found it really interesting so I work in the DNI space but more so like in in corporates I've worked in DNI roles in different corporates and what I love about you both is you are accomplished I think that's even like not even a way to describe you just your repertoire is just phenomenal but you are both accomplished academics and you span so many different areas so you know careers leadership personal development diversity and inclusion but do you experience any pushback um from you know corporate um I guess corporate clients or professionals on the misconception of from corporate leaders sometimes about academics in the field of leadership and say personal development or even DNI on their practical understanding of the world of work because I I see this a lot so one of the I used to work with a lady she had a PhD in, in in DNI and she always used to get that kind of pushback but she had so much knowledge and experience so I wondered if you both had experienced that and what are your thoughts on this? I'd start off because I think Sheena's got more experience in this, but I I would say uh, it's both ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, That uh, First of all, you get pushback in uh, corporate uh, or organisational backgrounds because you may be coming through with something which they perceive as academic, and when they think it's academic, they think it's not applied, Mm -hmm. and they think people um, who, like us, are working in that space may not have, um, you know, the actual coalface experience. And likewise, in in universities, um, uh, coming forward with practical applications, application around uh things like diversity uh people go yeah but what's the what's the research base on this and who Mm -hmm. who are you citing and you know there's there's a lag sometimes people adopting um you know practical behaviors on diversity in 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 places like universities and public sector as well so it would be fine in a sense but the the research that i just mentioned the equity effect showed that uh in the uk we've got um you know where there is highest numbers levels of uh, discrimination and racism was actually in the public sector Mm. so it's so i think in some ways corporate sector can move faster even though it's frustrating yeah i mean shahina what do you you have to say about this yeah so i used to experience pushback I don't anymore. And when I first started off, I mean, I've been working in the DNI space with businesses, with organizations over the last decade. And when I first started, I didn't come from a HR or an L&D background, but I knew we wanted to do some work in this area. So we did a very big piece of research and actually just building on Naima's point about uh, the public sector, we found that irrespective of the sector, whether, you know, whichever sector, and whether then you looked at the private, public, family-run businesses, the levels of uh, of uh, discrimination faced by women was, was the same. So when I went, when I first started working in this space, I really used an evidence-based background, talked about data, talked about evidence to actually build our credibility. One of the things mm-hmm. I learned very quickly was, um, although as an academic, I believed in data, it, it sometimes came across as a bit too preachy and a bit too um, evangelical. And especially when you're passionate about an area, the, the, in your mind, the data speaks truth, but it doesn't necessarily speak truth when you're talking to leaders and about the reality of their lives. So that pushback was a really hard jolt in terms of actually understanding the data is valuable, but it doesn't, it doesn't win over hearts and minds. And so over mm-hmm. time, I had to really learn how to adjust my approach so that you use the evidence base to have a rational discussion, but you've got to very quickly look at the user experience and, and create a much more holistic approach to um, to really understanding the fears and the concerns you're, you're bringing out in people when you're asking them to change the way they work, the way their teams work. And, and you know, in some cases, actually asking people to really think about how they have to make way for others to come in. So it's now a nice yeah. blend. 
And actually what I do find now when I do talk to companies, they really like the evidence of the scientific approach, but the human side coming in as well. But, but it has been a journey. Yeah, oh. I can imagine. And, and I guess the part of this journey, a significant part is your brilliant book, Future Proof Your Career. You know, why, is, why do you feel this book is important and what was the intention behind you both writing this? So previously, Naima and I both worked at Henley Business School and that's where we met. And, you know, we were okay. so lucky because various conversations allowed us to keep crossing paths. And then I think by chance we were crossing paths, then we would find reasons to cross paths as well and to keep those conversations going. And about three years ago, we both were very lucky to have the opportunity. Well, no, I'm not going to say we were lucky. We were asked to have the opportunity to be involved in a leadership program for women. And it was run by one of our partners, EY. But we, um, Henley was the, the kind of the knowledge partner. So we were hosting a group of women talking about women in leadership in emerging tech. So Naima was coming in to do the careers piece. And I was, I was kind of like developing a leadership thread throughout the whole course. And Naima's always been very geeky and she'll talk about kind of her, 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 her interest in the emerging tech space. But I had the opportunity to gatecrash all the tech sessions in this course. And it was just amazing, you know, learning about blockchain, machine learning, all of those things, which previously had not been my world. And I called Naima up. I think it was on the third or the fourth day. I was out at dinner and I called her up and I said, Naima, we should write a book about this. And... Um, uh-huh. She kind of went, yeah, that sounds like an idea. And it, from then, it still took us a while to get to this point. But what we realized, and okay. there's some really big takeaways at that point, that emerging tech is huge and technology is, is just shifting everything within our careers. Um, we saw some, we were hearing anecdotally evidence of women in particular not engaging with tech and what it meant for their jobs. So initially, we thought about a, a book for women, but we actually felt that this was so much bigger than just a gender perspective. We needed to talk about the whole piece. And then mm-hmm. COVID hit, and that really gave us an opportunity. We were having a lot of conversations about what the world of work looks like. And with COVID, I think for us, it was a case of saying, you know, people are getting caught up on where you work and hybrid working, but actually some of the issues around work are so much deeper. And if there's an opportunity to reset and think about our careers, this is the time. So this is when we need to get the book yeah. out and help people really make sense of these big, pro- complex problems. And Naima, I'll go to you for, because because a central theme of the book, um, that, I mean, there, there's, there's so many themes that I found, but I think one of the kind of core threads is around how people need to start being prepared for change. And I love how you have reference to the next normal. So do you want to just tell our listeners a bit about what you mean by the next normal? Yeah, I mean, we talked about in the book um, that in a sense, you know, we know that change is always inevitable and there's always a next normal or a new normal that's ahead of us. Um, but what uh, uh, what Shahida was talking about when uh, we were sort of formulating the book is I was still doing my research. I was still completing my doctorate, which is around future work and looking at the impact of uh, technologies and other kind of impacts that are coming to us. And from the research and from my data, I really looked through to say that obviously change has always been part of you know, since the beginning of time, since the Big Bang, I suppose. But what we're seeing now, the evidence is quite strong, but there's an acceleration of change. Mm -hmm. And the acceleration of change is creating high levels of uncertainty. So in terms of looking at the next normal, the new normal, or whatever it is we're stepping into, we need to come, all of us need to start considering what qualities do we need to 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 do to to do well in it to to thrive in it to not just survive which is what we talk about in the book but also uh, how we need to feel comfortable about being in uncertainty we can't now rely on perhaps a mindset that we have that you you start a job when you finished school or university and if you wanted to you could stay there until retirement that has really diminished not just because we may change in terms of what our purpose is but the organisations are changing. They're mm-hmm. impacted by technology. Look at what's happening right now, and not just with COVID, but with supply chain uh, impact. And, yeah. You know, all the lorry drivers not what we're finding in, uh, in the UK. So there's a whole range of things that will impact. So therefore, the most important thing, I think one of the most important elements of the book, and really in terms of future-proofing your career, maybe we could summarise it in, in a way, is 
be um, comfortable as much as you can with uncertainty. It mm. is very hard, but there are. But we've put things in the books from, from my research, from Shahina's research about the kind of qualities you need to do to practice, um, you know, to start developing yourself to 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 do well in this sort of new normal. I was just going to emphasise the reason we we had a really interesting conversation with the publisher about new versus next normal. And the thing is, when you talk about the new normal, it assumes that once you've changed, there's a you have consistency and a constant state. But actually, the next normal is about waves of change. So when Naima is talking about oh. that change, we know we know that pre-COVID the technology disruption was huge, but just wasn't visible to most people. We know that. Uh, in the COVID environment, so much has changed. We know that there's the rise in awareness around social justice. And then, you know, Naomi's talked about the other points. So the next normal is really about not getting too comfortable, but just being absolutely prepared for, for, for leadership to, to keep changing and to keep adapting um, teams and, envir- and uh, organisations to that constant churn. And I don't want to give too much away, but can you give us a little bit of a taste or sort of some... A, sna- a snapshot of how can we prepare ourselves I know you um go into it in the book but you know in terms of just our listeners what kind of I guess a, f- a few key things that we can do to prepare ourselves for the next normal uh, one of one of the things I've put in the book is about um, building resilience, and we hear mm-hmm. resilience a lot. There's probably a million podcasts on resilience, and yes. books on <laughs> resilience, and and certainly we kind of think you know they they're all valid and they're all you know have a look at all of them. But the the, the approach I looked at was career resilience specifically, um, and looked at uh, um, and what I did was analyse people um, who were going through change and uncertainty, and analyse people that weren't, and looked at the differences, and then I found particular qualities, and I don't mind you know sharing a couple of those. There's obviously more to read in the book yeah. but one of those is having a sense of self-reliance it came up very strongly in my research and I think you know I'd say that is a really important thing to think uh, self-reliance mean you know a sense that I have ownership I am you know I, I have I have to some extent control may not feel like it at times but if you are able mm-hmm. to start thinking I can um, start managing my career. I can start, uh, you know, adapting to the challenges, you know, having that kind of mindset. um, It's linked to a little bit like growth mindset that you think you've got, you have ability to change. You can take on um, failures. You can take on challenges. That was a critical thing. Um, I'd say that was that's a little snippet I don't mind sharing yeah. now no I love I love I love that I won't give too much away but there's a there's a quote that I love in the in the book not a quote but a phrase that really hit home for me when you said you should be in the driving seat of your career and I thought oh that's where I've got it wrong um so many times in my career when I expect my employer I'm like I've come here and you haven't got a plan for me I'm off but actually um you're right it's around sort of taking ownership so I think that's really key I was going to say some firms are kind of testing that so when you join a firm they're going to go right we're not going to give you your business cards we're not going to tell you where to find the laptop you, you know you've got to start working on you know getting yourself in place already <laughs> not just to sort of see you kind of build your own self-reliance yeah. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting. And, and I think it's a good way going forward so that you kind of, yeah, take ownership of it and not relying on, on your employer. Thinking about that, the, if we kind of go a little bit, a, a step back to, um, I guess, what the world of work is going to look like. So the next normal, we've had the global pandemic and things have really shifted. Um, what do you think in terms of the next normal now, which groups of people would be affected negatively and positively? Um, Shane, I don't know if you want to to give your thoughts. So I think um, rather than splitting this into groups, because I know we can look at certain segments and get quite specific about this, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot to do with the the skills and the attitude. And Naima started talking about the importance of being resilient and being in the driver's seat. And I think with almost any any group that you're looking at, you've got to recognise that by taking responsibility for your career, that means having a very strong entrepreneurial mindset. And also mm-hmm. it's about, you know, one of the biggest, biggest resources we talk about, it's about reskilling and reskilling to remain relevant. So whether you are yeah. somebody in your 60s or somebody in your, even even if you're fresh out of university or fresh out of school, having the mindset that school school and the education in the formal sense may have finished, but you still need to keep reskilling because, you know, yeah. we're talking about, many jobs and functions completely changing. We're talking about um, the world of work completely altering in terms of of how we know it. And still, 
from what I'm seeing in the conversations I'm having with companies all over the world, even global HR directors. In fact, one of them said, if I hear another conversation about working from home, I'll scream because that's not what we need to be dealing with. <laughs> dealing with. There yeah. are much, much deeper issues. You know, we, you know this, this piece about what activism in the workplace looks like, the overlap between social justice and work, the piece about inequity. I mean, COVID showed us such huge inequities and those don't get don't, don't disappear now. So the big piece is actually for everyone to be in the driving seat. You've also got to really think about staying relevant by being aware and reskilling. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be the biggest yeah. message because I think if you start splitting into groups, then you almost create a message that some people think they're okay and actually no yeah. one is. No one is. And I guess in terms of reskilling, you know, in terms of the how can individuals do this then so if, if you're because I know there are some corporates that have um they've got sort of reskilling agendas but as an individual what would be your advice then about how people can go about doing this the practical things that they can do uh, we've, we've gone through that uh, again uh, so little snippets that are, are in the book as well about how, how the importance of uh, reskilling and I think uh, you know we talk about reskilling and uh, and relearning and it sounds a bit of a pain doesn't it it sounds like oh I'm gonna yeah. go back and do my homework and things so, <laughs> but if you <laughs> but if you think of it as a way of staying exciting staying relevant staying current um, just like you would on um, other areas you know your social media your clothes or whatever you kind of want Mm. You know, we all want to keep, in, to some extent, uh, relevant in terms of our trends, even though it's, we have our own individual style. We still want to think, well, OK, we know what's going on, even if we're doing other things. So it's really the kind of things is knowing your sector, what's happening in your sector. And we talk about, in the book about talking to people outside it, attending um, kind of the kind of um, connections, the networks, going to meetups, reading around it, um, making it. It sounds homework, even if you make it a little bit more interesting, you're going to have a way of standing out standing forward and being able to kind of uh, talk about your area work with more interest and passion and as Shahina said because the world's changing the kind of things that we're expecting she just talked about um, all the things that technology um, social movements uh, inequality we've also got climate uh, change coming in Mm. so greening of particular organizations as well uh, so, you know, those are the kind of skills that we're expected to have. So my organisation now, we're expecting organisations to move to net zero. We've got the Glasgow mm. conference coming up on uh, climate. Um, we're expecting all organisations to start looking at not only how they look at their diversity, but how they look at their climate. What are you doing? You know, by you, I mean everyone, not you, just Vanessa. Yes. Just <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> yeah. what you did. What <laughs> <I did. laughs> <laughs> to think well how aware are you what is the organization going what is your role and what kind of greening skills can you get that's just one example but you know just keeping up to date keeping keeping relevant and make it interesting make it interesting to you otherwise you'll think it's a burden and you'll put it off it's like yeah, that yeah. sorting out the spare bedroom you know and i, no, I, I would, sort out yeah and i would take, exactly. it, take it slightly deeper and say um you know one of the big things is actually about creativity there's there's a lot of conversations mm-hmm. i've been having with leaders about creativity and creativity really yeah. underpinning the next the next push around leadership mm. and you know uh, a big part of it is about um stretching yourself and, and actually extending beyond your comfort zone in terms of skill sets um so if you're very comfortable working in a space actually how are you stretching yourself into different areas and we we do include people who've jumped into different careers you know shifted gears because mm-hmm. um they weren't happy but that that in itself is a great example of uh, really developing a growth mindset and being very entrepreneurial and actually the other the other piece of that is also about um embracing failure and that happens again learning mm-hmm. is a great opportunity to try that and, and to to um to really think about um, stretching yourself. And, you know, I think Naima's right about making it fun, making it enjoyable. I also think there's a bit about just stepping back and just seeing what others are doing. So you've got the banks who are investing millions into retraining staff for coding. Now, we, we were told for ages yeah. that, you know, coding's going to die out because um, it's going to be automated. But the, the skills you learn, the cognitive skills you learn through coding help your agility in your brain, which then helps you to problem solve. Mm. So it, it's developing your brain yeah. for additional additional ways of thinking that will help with other things. And I can tell you, I've, I've, I'm not, I've actually practiced what I'm preaching because since um, January I've been on a, 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 I've done a series of IDEO courses 
And it's been the most powerful example to go back to being a student and, and doing that through online learning. So, you know, even just going yeah. back into that vulnerable space of being a student is, is really powerful at any point in your career. Yeah, I'm just listening to you. I'm like, I've been wanting to learn how to code. I don't even know how to, I don't know how to code, but I do a lot of work in terms of getting girls into tech, for example, but it's just the time. So you just inspired me. I'm thinking, actually, you know what? I need to put in the time because otherwise you keep putting it off. But I think it's definitely something to look um, look to do in the next coming months. So thank you, the inspo. And I give yes. you a hint. I did. The, I told a very yeah. good friend of mine I wanted to do this idea course and she signed up and she said, right, Shaheen, I've signed up, have you? And I was like, no, no, I haven't had a chance to do that yet. And because she did yeah. it with me, I've done it. It's a bit like writing the book. You find, uh, I think again, yes. Naima's point about making it fun. You work with people you really love to work with and you study with people you love yes. to study with and then it stops being mm. mature and it becomes fun. Yes, I might actually think about who who can I who can yeah. I pull along with me on this on this journey. I think you're right because if you do it together, it's a bit more motivating as well. So I might look yeah. at, look at that and see who I can who I can do that with. Get a study buddy. Yes, yes, definitely. I have to sort of put the word out there for 2022, definitely. And I mean, I kind of want to touch on this, but I guess I don't know if everyone has like pandemic fatigue, but I have to ask you both because it would just be a mess if I didn't. But, you know, we have to acknowledge, though, we, we touched on it before about the global pandemic and it, how it shifted the careers and the world of work. But what are your thoughts on how it has actually um, changed? I know you touched on that a bit in the book, but just for our listeners, how would you kind of sum up? summarize that why, why don't I start since I actually have COVID <laughs> yes <laughs> that's you are the perfect person Speaking to actually... <laughs> personally <laughs> with COVID. um so first of all hugely grateful for getting COVID after being vaccinated so um you know just think so we've it's been a it's been such an impact on the whole world but you know a huge thanks to all the teams that went out and and, and got vaccines and the the more that the rest of the world can, that the whole world can get that, the better. Um, so, in terms of the things I I talk about in terms of what's happening through the pandemic, there's two two clear things for me that have come through. The first one is the acceleration of technology. Obviously, my interest is in uh, impact of technology and AI, and and it's accelerated the very fact that we're running this podcast uh, using um, AI enabled technology. The very fact that work work broadly could continue teaching could broadly continue health could broadly continue was through the impact of ai technology and indeed as i mentioned the vaccine vaccine production in terms of accelerating us getting that so ai has been an has been a really a huge part of the pandemic and some organizations are, you know as we've shifted to something like online shopping as we're all like at home in our leisure wear but buying loads of shopping some organizations did very well out of that and even went to space because of it, and some organisations didn't. So we see the impact of AI really being quite critical. Now, just to say, the ne- we talked about the next normal, new normal. The investment, the money that's come in because of the pandemic to organisations that, ha- that have AI is there, they're ma- you know, like big tech firms, the investment that they're making now for the next norm, we do touch up briefly in the book, is going to be quite phenomenal. The investment mm. into augmented and virtual reality, into mm. a new workplaces, the way we might wear wearable technology in our clothes, perhaps to alert us to health. I mean, we're getting mm. quite kind of into this. Yeah. But the way you're wearing your Apple watches and your other you know your smartphones and things the way they're connecting and moving us forward will really really accelerate the thing I want to just sort of mark there is a things around trust and privacy and our relationship with technology in the next normal will change dramatically because we will start questioning I think uh, about wow this technology has got us so far but do we want us to go for the next direction? Do we really mm. feel comfortable with that? That's what I'm just, I'm going to just focus on the tech. There are many other things, but that's the bit I'll, yeah. I'll spout on about. I'm going to offer the balance to Naima's um, approach. And I completely, completely agree with Naima. But I think when you asked me that question, I really started to think about it from a very human perspective. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe this is also driven by the fact that I have um, moved country and, you know, actually thought there's a point at which, we only get one shot, you recognise you only get one shot at life and you really want to make the most of it. And I think yeah. for, me, for me, and again, this isn't for me, Naima and I've had these conversations so many times, so for both of us, you know, 
the inequalities that came up as a result of of the pandemic. They were there before the pandemic, but they were just so so um, visible. And I remember that you know the pain we went through as we had these conversations, um, and having to take a stance on them and really think about it. And the problem is once. Not the problem, but I think once you see these things, you cannot unsee them. And that then really yeah. leads to a much, much stronger sense of purpose about what you're doing and why you're doing it. When you're putting effort into work, for what purpose? And what's the legacy you want to leave? And I think it was it, it was bubbling away. And for certain groups, it was always there. But I think it's become much, much more up front and center. And again... You know, it's something I'm now seeing again with organizations where even some of the most ethical companies that really live by their values are saying, we need to revisit our values and really think about what we're doing across our whole workforce and what this means. So um, it's not everywhere that it's touched and some will still carry on at business as usual. But I think for a lot of organizations and at an individual level, there are really there are people who are questioning what they're doing, why they're doing and how they're doing it. And that's good. Yeah, I think, I guess we're in the great resignation. People are kind of talking about that as well because people are questioning, yeah, like where they're working and making these um, life changes. I I wanted to get your thoughts. I'll go to you, Naima, about the four-day week. So I've heard some other countries are testing this out and I'm just counting down to when the UK is going to get with the programme. But what do you think? Do you honestly think we can get to this point of a four-day week because I'm just <laughs> I'm dying for it and I know a lot of people are like really really want a four-day week what do you think well we've done research on it at Handy Business School quite a mm-hmm. big piece of research we did I think published in 2019 uh, I think when Shaheen was with us yeah. as well so um, the research was very positive what we found from that research well, I could just reel off the stats but mm-hmm. just quickly uh, what we found was an increase in productivity an increase in uh, mental health a decrease in sickness a decrease in stress mm-hmm. uh, so uh, and organisations found that the you know the, the, you know uh, quality not just productivity but quality also improved as well um, so it so this is from the research that we did, as I say, before the pandemic, before people kind of like really kind of questioning it. So mm-hmm. um, the research, I think it's, you know, the research is so strong to show that what we probably need to start doing and, and pick up what Shahina was saying about how we start questioning what we are. If we start thinking about what our life is and start rather than building life around work, but building work with life or building work, uh, you know, uh, you know, merging the two much better. So something that we will still with a four day week it's the research that we did was condensed so you'd have to work um, a little bit more condensed but what people found is that they cut you know they cut down the bits and bobs when you you know the kind of stuff when you kind of mess around on your email or you're doing other things you kind of like reduce mm. it down you became mm. more efficient it's like before you go yeah. on holiday you get rid of a load of emails from your inbox it's that exactly. kind of intensity <laughs> so that was something to perhaps bear in mind that it is a little mm. bit more intense a little bit more stress perhaps your day is a little bit more stretched but having a three-day uh, weekend uh, was something um, we found was very good from the research. And in the book, we also talk about what we've developed is a mindset around work that's developed from the third industrial, we're going into this fourth industrial revolution, sorry, from the second industrial revolution with industrialization and factories where people had to trudge into work, into workplaces uh, mm-hmm. and trudge back. And then, you know, it was in factories or manufacturing things and then people associated with that. And from that, the union, it's actually Ford, Henry Ford, unions that people saying actually we need two days rest can we have two days rest what if they said three we'd have already had the four days they, <laughs> they asked for two but that's we're still living in like a, 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 a kind of a legacy mindset around yeah. work so uh, I agree with you and the evidence is really strong Vanessa four day week let's do it so but I wonder then, do you think, because I was thinking about the UK, because I was thinking about the workplace culture, right, though, do you think, because the research obviously um, is there, some countries have already trialled it, some companies have, they've said it's worked, working, but I don't know, I'm a bit sceptical about how soon like UK kind of corporate culture oh. will cotton on. What do you think about that? I don't, I, I don't think it's the corporate, it's the culture that we, because if you go four day a week, but you're, you've got children in school for five mm. days a week, then you think, yeah. well, what, what's the point of this? <laughs> or if you want to see a doctor, you think, you know, uh, and they're four day a week as well. I think it's mm. actually the infrastructures around us that are going to perhaps be, I think corporates will probably be able to step into it a little bit faster, but I think it's schooling, education, health, and, um, you mm. know, road cleaning, all the kind of things that we expect to happen over five days a week. 
um, retail, you know, are we, yeah. I think it's, it's actually those things, service uh, require, you know, service, health, mm. education, those things. That's so a good point. The reason we may get uh, delayed. I see. I can just, I can just imagine like some parents saying, "No, we don't want a four day school week. I want a day off from the, <laughs> the kids. We still have to go back to school." So I think you're right. There's, there's, there's lots of moving parts on on that on that issue. With with me and my background, so I, I mentioned I work in um, diversity and inclusion and. Um, in a previous role, I set the generational diversity strategy for an international bank and how uh, the um, organisation can prepare for Generation Z coming into the workforce. And I wanted to get both of your thoughts. Uh, I might go to you, Shane, around um, what are your thoughts on how Generation Z will actually change the world of work? I think I think actually it really follows on from this conversation about about the four day week and actually about the balance. I think you know we, we've talked about being more conscious, more purposeful about working, and I think again you've got different groups, so we need to be really careful about not uh, not not stereotyping everyone. But I think there's a much more mm-hmm. conscious awareness around what you want from work, what you expect from work and what mm-hmm. also you're bringing to work. And, what, and, you know, there's some really interesting research that has been bubbling away around, you know, we know the brand in itself is not enough. We even know the benefits in themselves are not enough. It's it's the, it's it's yeah. what's invested in individuals. What um, is the culture? How is, how, how is my particular boss actually going to promote my role? I mean, you know, there are so many examples of individuals who, or companies who, you know, say we've we've done everything we can to recruit the best of the best, and yet we don't, we don't, we're not able to 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 attract them, or when they do come in, we mm. can't retain them. So I think yeah. it's a much more conscious decision about where individuals are putting their time and their effort and their resources, and I think that in itself also causes some some influence on companies to really think differently about the whole recruitment piece um i think you know we've mentioned a few times we talk about activism in in the book because the worlds of work and social justice are absolutely colliding you know we talk a lot about the about civil society in this whole area having to 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 cover the gaps that governments can't fulfill and corporates are increasingly looking at and again i think in that space you find more and more individuals who want their voice to be heard in companies and then again we talk about how you manage that because there is a skill in an art doing it effectively and actually and I don't mean we don't mean in a cynical way but just making sure that you you bring that voice in and it actually enhances your impact within your career so I think I think the whole experience of work is much much more multifaceted and I think with that mm-hmm. there, you bring more to work but you're also expecting a lot more from work as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. And I, I wanted to go, I might go to you, Naima, about um, your thoughts on the gig economy and um, the side hustlers. And just, the, I guess, if there's been more of a fluid way of earning money. Do you think that's going to be, like, we're going to see kind of that becoming, like, I guess, the next part of the next normal as well? Oh yeah, sure. Vanessa, you're picking up all the research that uh, we've done, we've done at uh, Henley. So we did uh, Generation mm-hmm. Z as well, mm-hmm. and Sheila was absolutely right. What we found from that data was really strong that um, mm-hmm. people from that generation who are sort of a couple of years out of university now, 24, mm-hmm. 25 as a sort of top end, mm-hmm. uh, would say that they would give up a higher salary if it meant that they were getting their values aligned around things like climate and diversity and so on. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. So to continue that again around uh, the gig work, we did some work on that and side hustling. And we found that the the highest sort of percentage of people going into that, again, were Generation Z and millennials mm-hmm. uh, looking at ways for fulfilling a purpose alongside their work and an outlet for their creativity. So what they're sort of learning to be a tax consultant they were doing t-shirt design uh, uh, along alongside as well but uh, in generationally when we looked at that research we found that uh, people coming up towards retirement uh, mm-hmm. were also looking at it as a way of sort of not just uh, you know for, uh, for passion and purpose but popping up their pension as well so there was passion purpose and pension yeah. I suppose is the, is the things that they yeah. were looking at there so there's a definitely an increase 
increase. However, before we go into saying this is a fantastic thing to look at in terms of gig working and side hustles, what we there were some caveats around it is that it is we just talked about purpose and life and building that in. We did find high levels of stress because people are actually working, obviously, clearly working longer jobs, yeah. uh, two jobs merging that. There's also the money and the tax side of things. So it's a bit boring to talk about, but it's like understanding that side of thing being, you know, really kind of critical to understand what what you need to do in order to set yourself up to do these things is really quite important. But it's also organisation. So if your employer feeling comfortable that you're doing side hustles and uh, and recognising the creativity of your T-shirt design company is going to enhance your role as a tax consultant it's really for the employer and employee to sit down and go through that so so you're not kind of have to do it secretly um but you're kind of merging the two together i'd say so yeah it's the predictions are it's going to grow but with but with safety nets around for everybody so nobody's exploited so i was just going to add with the with the whole side hustle piece there's also there's a much greater focus on creating personal brands. So, you know, Vanessa, you think about your brand and, and actually how you've grown this podcast out of it as well. And and the whole piece about personal branding has become so, so much more sort of um, comprehensive rather than just being CEOs who stand on a box and position themselves. And so actually the side hustle piece allows for you to test different elements of your brand and to experiment. You know, we talked about the growth mindset, the agility, being more entrepreneurial as a leader. All of those elements are allowed to be experimented within the within that side hustle space. Um, and that gives mm-hmm. you the opportunity to kind of extend different parts of your identity, which which do add value to your brand and actually help you to expose yourself to different audiences and actually explore different parts of your leadership that you may not otherwise be able to. So again, there are some really powerful sort of leadership development opportunities and career opportunities that can come from this. But, you know, clearly everything mm-hmm. Naima said about the, 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 the time, the exhaustion, that you've kind of just got to find a way to, uh, to, to handle all of that. Yeah, and, and fit them all in. And I guess I'm going to sort of touch on a bit more about you both individually, but just wanting to kind of just get your, I guess, some sort of like last words about your your book. And I just want, I wondered what surprised you the most during the process of writing this book? Um, Naima, if we go to you and then Shahina will go to you. What 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 surprised you the most? Uh, <laughs> I think us right this the process of writing actually I mean, in a sense this is our is our ambition that we'd been thinking about for a long time the seeds have been there I was finishing off my doctorate so I couldn't do things but actually once we got down to it the thing that surprised me is how well it flowed in the end is the ideas came together I I, I mean that's just a personal thing um uh, how we had our conversations and actually it didn't take that long because I think we've been thinking about this through our our own individual careers for so long uh, the ideas came together and we were able to put those down on paper um, really quickly because, I, 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 you know, with this passion, as I think you can hear in our voice, in order to enable people to sort of, you know, feel confident about the future and feel confident that they have the abilities to progress and achieve what they want to do. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with Naima. I think what was interesting, I mean, again, we turned this book around within nine months wow that's quick and I think it was literally it was it was literally our COVID baby and um I think one of the things we did because Naima and I were both we both have very very demanding roles and so the idea of taking on the project of a book seemed daunting one of the things I loved about how we did this we actually used AI technology to to help us write the book because we literally I mean you can tell both of us love we love talking as you can tell and we constantly interrupt each other and we're constantly fighting for airspace (laughs) and actually we used AI tech to um to record us and transcribe and of course it meant every time we did this we had like thousands upon thousands tens of thousands of words that we had from each conversation but that then allowed us to say here are our chapters and so it was that what you see you see with us now is the chemistry in the book because it wasn't one of us sitting at a computer trying Mm. to figure out what to say it was a real partnership Mm. and a really strong collaboration and for me collaboration is always the way I work I mean we all work at our best when we're collaborating and we trust the person we're working with and I think that humor has really come out from the book and what people do tell us about the book and I think this surprised me because I hoped we'd get there but I'm really pleased we have 
the, the, the individuals, colleagues who've read the book have said, you've really been so successful at taking very complicated areas and making them very simple and accessible. And that's just mm. amazing we've managed to do that. Right, I'm going to go into your <laughs> to your personal bits now. So I'm going to go to you, Naima. Right, I want to find out a bit more about you both individually. So I want to find out how do you check in with yourself and look after your well-being? Um, so <laughs> Shahina helps me, actually. I get regular <laughs> kind of uh, support and guidance and stern warnings oh, from good. Shahina. <laughs> she did. As soon as, I, as soon as I was poorly, she was on the phone from Doha to uh, give me lots of tips and advice. So that, you know, I think... Um, so I think if I say, so we, we do have a responsibility to look after ourselves. We do have a responsibility um, to, you know, to live the best life we can and look after our, our minds, our bodies, our souls, if you like. But mm-hmm. I, I think when you've got support from friends, colleagues, family who say, are you okay? And you really need to take a bit of a break now. Uh, that really, and you need to look after yourself. That has been um, a way that's enabled me to 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 do this. And, and, and I have to say, Shaheen has done that for me. So thanks, Shahina. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all need you. In our lives. <laughs> I mean, okay, so, so Shahina, what do you do then for you? I, I mean, I know you, you kind of are encouraging no one to look after a help, but what do you do? Do you do the same things? Do you have someone doing that for you? Yeah, I think I think it goes both ways, right? You know, you kind of have uh, you have mm-hmm. your your people around you who you check in, and I know, mm-hmm. especially when I first moved here, Naima was brilliant because it was quite. A daunting process being on my own and we'd speak and she would just kind of uh, remind me how amazing this whole journey was I think my uh, if I'm honest my husband is phenomenal he really really my husband and my kids really really kind of just remind me to slow down and I yeah. I, I really my big big thing my big thing actually is swimming and you know now I'm in Doha there's no excuse oh, I can yeah. swim every day and Actually, what I do yeah. find, I'm not a natural swimmer, but what I do find, I go into that pool with a very specific problem or something that's really bothering me. And by the time I've done my fifth lap, I have forgotten it. I've already resolved it. I've resolved oh, it, right? Yeah. So that has yeah. become such a practice for me that actually it really just, when I don't do it, I miss it. So that, that you know, that, that's been a big, big shift in my, my approach, but it really has helped in, um, mm-hmm. in the self-care because I know when things are getting niggly, I just need to find a way to do something physical and focus on myself and swimming swimming forces you you can't you yeah. can't check your phone you can't do anything you're just yes. immersed in the water have to be there and would you say that that's part of um your joy list I always ask our guests as well what is on their joy list so would you say swimming is is there anything else that you do that gives you joy so I'm learning I'm not a natural I've never been a natural gym bunny but I'm really really learning to exercise and love it so uh, Naima knows I'm a huge fan of bar classes I started them in London and I have just found a bar studio in oh, Doha okay. and I'm, I'm doing that and yeah. so it's all stuff that's really about me and Brilliant. just kind of those those low yeah. impact but really purposeful exercises but the thing, if I'm really honest, I love being with people. So, you know, family, it's mm-hmm. a big thing. And friends, just, you know, being with friends just matters so much. So my joy list is friends will always be right at the top of it. Brilliant. And Naima, what's on your joy list? Uh, I, I'm really uh, cooking. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> so, love that. <laughs> Yes, that's about a side hustle. I'll take it quite seriously. So one day, a little would be to, to have a little pop-up uh, mm-hmm. of, of food because I um, – yeah, so I like cooking. I like cooking for people. I like experimenting. And mm. um, but you know, we, we talked all the way through about what the what the pandemic has done, and, and just made us everybody. Even if you've had to work through it in the workplace, and even if you've had to be in lockdown, it has affected all of us. Not least because we're watching mm-hmm. the news. And I think every single person has to have some sort of reflective time of what is important. Whether you get it, we don't get it, or mm-hmm. you've seen people around you be quite poorly with it. So um, I think all of us have sort of, you know really listen. I think to those notes inside about. Uh, you know each day has some value to it and um and uh, as cheesy as it sounds i've been doing a lot more work on gratitude and um this fits in perfectly well i think into a future work of technology uh, yeah. is to start looking at what it is that you need and what it is, and what you're thankful for because then because i think the mindset if i just go back to things that we talked about the mindset of uncertainty mm. you know what it's like when we feel uncertain about a job or a relationship or <laughs> or anything where our mind 
mind starts spinning and yeah. it can create quite a lot of unease. It can lead to anxiety it can, and that can spin off into all sorts of sort of mental health things. So uh, when we talked about uncertainty, it is a serious thing. And we're living in this period of great uncertainty. So one of the greatest things that we need to do is to work out how to manage uncertainty the best. Mm. Swimming. We talked about cooking. Yeah, we talked about it's family. True. We talked about yoga. What gratitude? Whatever is these things? Because in a way, the most important thing is to is working out how to manage your mind and your yes. mindset in order to do these things. Because you know, more uncertainties on the way. Managing yourself the best is the most important thing. And mm-hmm. I'm 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 in I'm a, you know work in progress as she as all of us are. I'm not I've not got this at all, Tate. But I I do know it's important, and I'm I'm working on it as well. Yeah, that's inspiring. I think I might um, start thinking about my hobbies, actually, and thinking about, I loved your point, um, Shana, about um, when you swim, you don't have your phone. And I'm like, okay, I need to think about things for my well-being where I I, I, I can't even touch my phone. So I'm going to give that as a, as a challenge to myself and, and as our listeners. So thanks so much for sharing that. It's really good. We've kind of come to the end. I could talk to you both for hours. I can't believe we've just, the, the hour has just gone so quick. But I just wanted to just, you know, wish you all the best. Your book is fantastic. Um, and I want to just encourage our listeners um, um, to get it. So all the best um, with that. And just congratulations on that as well. Oh, um, thank you. you so much. No problem. And we have this game. It's called the quick fire round. So I'll, I'll ask a question to uh, each of you. You'll get a different question and you have to tell me the first thing that comes uh, to your mind. So All right, well, I'm going to yeah. say I'm worried. I'm worried. <laughs> it's, it's, it's PC. <laughs> you won't get in trouble. Most of the answers will be chocolate. Listen, I you cannot be worried because our whole book is about getting comfortable with uncertainty. <laughs> what exactly? Oh, yeah. I- Exactly, the uncertainty, uncertainty. So bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> All right, so I'll go to you, Naima. The first question I've got for you in the quick fire round is can you tell me the trip that changed your life or that was the most memorable? Uh, when I after university, I went interrailing, which is what a lot of people do. But I went to India, where my family are from, and I went with mm-hmm. my grandmother mm-hmm. um, all around India. So that was an experience I'll never forget. Being with her, experiencing India from a yeah. completely different lens. That was great. Oh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Okay, Shaina, um, if you mess up big time at work, who do you call and why? Oh, my husband, always. Because um, he will will talk it through with me and he will kind of uh, just rationalise it and then, you know, help me figure out a way forward. But if I mess up big time at home, then I don't call him. Oh, okay, you don't. So it's a caveat there. Learn the kids. <laughs> exactly. Good, good piece of advice. And I guess my, um, my, my last question to you both um, is, what is the single most important thing our listeners can do to future-proof their careers? I th- uh, I th- well, okay, I will say relearning and le- learning is the super skill above everything else. So feeling comfortable with learning, relearning, and just kind of going on an adventure about you know learning knowing that you're just going to have to learn and find new things I think that's what I'd say okay brilliant and Shaina well first of all I'd say read the book and then then I would say I would say be brave be brave your career is such a big part of your life be brave be fearless be confident and be be well willing to make mistakes because you'll learn from them and you'll 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 bounce back and, and really understand what you want to do and how you get there so just be brave and enjoy it yeah oh, that's fabulous thanks so much thank you to you both hope you've had a good time thank you we've had a great time thank you so with each episode we have a debrief with my producer ryan so ryan welcome thank you for having me what, what are your thoughts what are my thoughts my thoughts are it was an amazing conversation there were so many takeaways it's such a actionable episode for for us and all of the listeners there's just make sure you go back and take notes because yeah oh yeah both sheena and naima are literally giving us the 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 playbook for at least mm. the next decade you know and there's so many good points that you can take away and and ask yourself how can i apply these questions at least to my current career my current career where i am and what i'm doing so what did you think mm-hmm. I thought it it just gave me so much 
food for thought, especially around um, when they were talking about how how we should start to sort of shift our mindset in terms of how we look at our careers and what we do for a living. And they they just really hit home that it's okay to change. Like what you're doing right now, you might not necessarily be doing in five or 10 years time and that's okay. And it just made me think and be more consciously aware that I need to start now preparing for that next normal and me thinking, how am I reskilling myself? So Shahina was think was saying about, um, how she is learning or she was learning how to code yeah and um Naima's done a lot of work on um, artificial intelligence and that inspired me to actually think you know what I need to start dedicating some learning time now in my weeks where I'm just learning like new skills because Mm. these are the, the, the skills of the future and she gave us so many kind of a list of other areas like climate change and understanding what does it mean to become net zero. And even when I think about my business, I'm doing a business in diversity and inclusion and working with women, but now got me my head buzzing thinking actually, but I should start thinking about, could I become a net zero business? I'm still a business. How Mm. can I become net zero? How, you know, in terms of how I operate. And so it just got my mind thinking that there's just so much to learn and just to open our eyes it made me literally think I need to open up my eyes more mm. broader because you don't want to get caught out last minute. You're so right. You're so right. Because mm. at the end of the day, you you are a business, you're a small business, but th- you still have to think on that level because um, with the whole conversation about Gen Z and mm. if you're thinking about, you know, growing a team and stuff, you're likely going to have the next generation as part of the team. And the the research, as they said, Gen Z is looking for for a career that aligns with their values and they're willing to sacrifice salary and things like that or um you know salary expectations for for companies that align with their values and that is a big 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 shift because the whole way that the world is built upon is pretty much the opposite so exactly it's really it's such a you know and with covid as well and with the post pandemic that has been such a accelerator, exactly what they've said about technology being accelerated and all these changes having been accelerated because mm-hmm. of this. And the time is now, like exactly what you yeah. said, the time is now to expand your skill base as well. And that in itself sounds like scary. It's like, oh my God, I'm already so busy doing everything I'm doing. Like, what, how, <laughs> how am I going to fit in coding? coding? How am I going to fit in this AI, and that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even like what Sheena was saying, like, even if you do it, that that skill base might be redundant by the time you you're fluent in it however the skills the the kind of the side skills you pick up by learning how to code is transferable because it's a way of thinking isn't it when you learn how to code yes, you start exactly. to adopt like an engineer's mentality you can adopt that systemized thinking into other areas of, of your projects or businesses and yeah yeah it's just so many transferable skills i think is one of the key parts of their of their message yeah and I think it's around just linking to that theme about they've got this chapter in the book about you should be in the driving seat of your career and I think it's about taking ownership mm. and so I think for me I'm going to be more conscious now and I'm going to dedicate even just an hour a week to just learning something that's not relevant to what I do for my job something completely different even if, if it's just an hour a week mm. that's like 52 hours a year that's a lot so it's a very good point can make a can make a big difference small steps exactly like shahina was saying about her going swimming has actually Mm. had a a knock-on effect a positive knock-on effect of uh her going into the pool with a problem or a thought or something like that and that actually resolving by the time she's on her fifth lap i think that's amazing because you suspend yourself into something that's not the doing you're not sitting at the computer you're not googling you're not trying to work out the result you kind of surrender, yeah. mm-hmm. do something else, exactly. and it's counterintuitive, but it works. Exactly. Like I can't, I can't get away with going on Pinterest now as a hobby. <laughs> like I need to now think about something else. And so she really inspired me, and I'm going to put that as a challenge. So I mean, with every episode, I just, I, I just have so many small things that you know transform my career. I mean, one of the ones is around an hour a week to learn. And then the second one is get a hobby where I don't have to have my phone. 
Mm. Like I literally cannot touch my phone. So that is the two takeaways for me, actionable takeaways. I love that. I love that. And the third, I suppose, is about going back to the thought of your business being net zero and how you can apply that mindset to your current setup. And that relates back to what they were saying about business as usual versus companies that are asking, okay, what is our legacy? You know, what is our Mm. why? And those, for me, those are the companies that are going to do better in this next, in this next normal. I definitely agree. It's something around thinking about your you know legacy but I also think it's not it's not just for companies but individuals like what do you want your legacy to be mm. you know what impact do you want to have it that also is a good question to ask yourself as well when you're thinking about your career but yeah it was really interesting it really yeah. is I, I mean I'd recommend everyone go back and listen to this again um, and jot down some ideas jot down your takeaways as well and apply it to your career it might spark some questions it's an episode where I think I can go back and take notes and just remind myself because there were just so many nuggets or buy the book <laughs> Shaina said <laughs> buy the book <laughs> future proof your career Shaina <laughs> was like buy the book yes buy the book because yeah there's so many gems in that in, in, in that book so many gems I really hope you enjoyed this episode and for joining me for After Work Drinks. If you learned anything from this episode, please do share with someone you think would benefit. Don't forget to leave me a comment with what you learned along with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people like yourself find the show. Follow us on Instagram on at After Work Drinks Club. A special thank you goes to Blue Water, and to Pure Creation Media for producing this episode.